1: Sitting up there jacked Pepsi.
2: <laughs> I'm there for the pack out, oh, you just gotta pack me in. Committed to the bow early on, like I loved getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here too, right? Like we call this the uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know my grandpa Roy Weatherby. I came into like that
1: golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just
0: You're Canadian? We're
2: well, you doing I... a Canadian podcast. My name's Douglas Bows.
1: I'm Robbie Danning, World Gandhi.
0: How are you doing, Jay? Very good, man. Huge fucking day.
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Big day, Hey, eh? Yeah, I love those days. Not uh, a huge, overly successful day for me. Pete went back to work today, finally. Yeah. Sick for a few days, so. Oh, no. He was the color of that uh, uh paint wall. That, is that the color of paint you picked? Did
2: yeah, you pick a little that? good at the floor. Yeah, you wait and see. It'll look good. I was a little hesitant at first, but. The rest of it's got to tie in together. Paint can always get changed. Okay. You'll I'll see. Take, you, take your word for it. Yeah, you will. I'm not too bad at this stuff. I'm not good at other stuff, but I'm not too bad at this stuff.
1: <laughs> huh. Huh. How that's was your week? What, that's not going to be what
2: my backdrop is, though.
1: No? <laughs> no. That's just another part of the wall, another part of the basement. What do you got? I see a tip of an antler there behind you.
2: Uh...
1: Oh, well, maybe that's my, maybe this one here. It's my whitetail. Is that from this
2: year? Yeah. That's just about ready bleach it this weekend. Oh, oh that's yeah. a
0: cool, cool little double brow time.
2: Yeah. That's my favorite part of it. You don't see that around here too
1: often. No, that's rad. I like that. So, yeah. Well, it yeah. was pretty wild. So it only took, what was it? Four shots to get that sucker down? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Four shots. <laughs> oh, <fucking laughs> Jesus Christ. Hit him three times.
2: I thought my gun was out because I've been bow hunting pretty much, you know, like 99% of the season and I'm really confident with my rifle. And yeah, I was, couldn't understand why that damn thing was still walking. And yeah, I had three bullet holes in it right where I wanted to shoot. What were you shooting them with? My two forty three, okay. and the thing's attack driver. And I've never, honestly, I've never had an shot placement,
1: in, shot placement,
2: I guess, <laughs> but Three through the lungs. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. It hmm. is what it is. You must have hit I'll him maybe just down.
1: on like the border, like outskirts of the lungs. Maybe. I don't
2: know. When I, I, I remember one of the two lungs was absolutely decimated, like when I gutted him out. So I, that one got yeah, hit t- he, he twice he was a for sure. I'm just, just breaking it oh, down there. Oh, I got to take it. It should be one shot and dropped. Yeah. Is what it is. So you're sick all week. Now you're on the man. Now I'm on the mend and yeah, work on the reno this weekend and get ready for Christmas here.
1: Christmas. Yeah. Are you all ready for Christmas? So what, so what goes on in your house now that there's no kids there? Do you guys still like exchange gifts, like Santa Claus still show up at your house or is it just like you running around in like a little Santa hat and nothing else? Pretty much.
2: That's every nice. too. Yeah. Just Santa hat. Santa, Mrs. Claus's hat and that's it. <laughs> no, the kid's back from college right now. So we had to put the hats away. <laughs> oh shit yeah playtime's over right eh? that's right but we'll, it'll be back you know i don't know january 8th or something yeah we'll back to just wearing hats again knock before you enter <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> no doubt yeah it's crazy around our house lots of treats going on
2: yeah same
1: yeah same out there are you guys big snackers i'm my wife's been in the kitchen like all week big snacker What? snacks over here i've been keeping a
0: pretty tight lid on it
1: until i'll
0: i'll let myself have a couple days of pure nonsense but up till this point i've been keeping the reins on because when i when i let the cat out of the bag it gets pretty pretty debaucherous (laughs) pretty quickly so it's like i want to keep those couple days nice and bookended tightly yeah you got hear what's your weakness weakness?
2: what's my weakness you can't say no to
0: is anything if i had to choose like one (laughs) snack thing it's ice cream I can demolish. I I could eat a two liter tub of ice cream in one sitting. No problem. Holy
1: shit. My oh yeah. Kids are, could, my kids are like that. All of them. They just yeah. fucking go to town on that stuff. It's like, Hey man, yeah, breathe a little in between their yeah. bites there. Yeah. And if I'm not eating it
0: regularly, that lactose will destroy me. Like oh, it's, really? Oh yeah. Like when I did my, <laughs> my last bodybuilding show, I didn't have anything for six months, like nothing even remotely. And then after I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a bunch of ice cream. And like, I thought I was going to die. Just <laughs> on the shitter for a couple days, like just inside out, man. Just not pretty.
1: There's a workout in itself, right there. Yeah, it was a way to lose a couple pounds. Tell you that much. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like that's gonna be tough because you got to be so disciplined and diet restricted, and just like probably moody as fuck. Oh, and then brutal. like then it's like once it's over, it's like thank god, and they can just like you just want to like almost binge.
0: Yeah, you got to be real careful because you will go too hard, too fast. And then it, then you did like, you can, I've had buddies who had to go to the hospital for edema and stuff like that. Like you yeah, can, yeah. you can mess yourself up legitimately. Yeah. You got to be a bit careful. It yeah. was,
2: we, we've got a woman, well, not anymore, but, uh, this couple of years we had a woman who's working for us young, I think she's mid twenties and she was, she's just got her pro card this year. Oh, okay. And, uh, but to watch her, she's from BC. The, yeah. She's from here here, Peyton Dutcher. Oh, I probably, I probably recognize her.
0: It's a pretty small community. Yeah. Good for her. That's so, not, that's no joke.
2: But it was crazy watching her in the lunchroom and stuff. Oh b- yeah. Go through the whole process of, you know, your different stages of, you know, bulking and then all yeah. of a sudden prepping for the meats. and we're looking at her mean being like, do you, you guys all must go through this and be like, you look like shit.
0: Yeah. Like you it's great. not healthy. You're killing you yourself. You're literally, yeah. It reminds me of like that last pitch to Everest. What do they call that? The death zone when you're like above oxygen, you're literally dying every step closer you take to the summit. I mean, that's the last few weeks of prep. Like you can't even kid yourself. Like your body's not supposed to be that low in body fat. You're not supposed to be doing those kinds of drugs. Like it's, there's nothing remotely healthy about it. It's just about the, the aesthetic at that point, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. fucking
2: intense. Yeah. But at the same time, my hats are off to You could. who does that. Of course because, you could. Well, it's the discipline. That's what my hat's off to. Like, yeah. It's to turn down everything, to keep that drive going when there's nothing there. I mean, there's nothing
0: there. That's what attracted me to it. It was the closest thing I could see to magic because you literally decide I'm going to take my body and take it from this to this with nothing but the power of my mind. And then you literally do like within four months, you are a completely different human being. And you've like transformed something with nothing but willpower and discipline. And you know,
1: was it easier the second time you did it as possible? way easier? It's not yeah, even comparable. You even knew what was going in a hundred percent, man. And you knew, like, you knew
0: what the outcome would be, you know? Yeah. And you knew like, okay, I pushed this hard last time and I got this out of it. So if I push this hard this time, I'll get this out of it. Like, yeah, you knew what to expect. Like it's, it's like the second time you hike into a spot. It's like if it was like this was hard the first time, like it's like a totally yeah. different experience. Yeah, 100% man, way easier.
1: Yeah, the second time doing something's definitely it's definitely yeah. easier. That's yeah. why Pete does so good at those archery shoots because he gets to go through them all first <laughs> and everybody else has to go through the first time. So he's fucking been through here, he knows what's going on. <laughs> you know, you keep whining and everything. I never even saw that that uh that hardcore
2: one with Whatever that was, course C. I don't oh yeah, saw right. That. I had nothing I to do with up. You didn't see the
1: last target. I, ever, I
2: forgot.
1: <laughs> you ever been to a three DJ? You know I haven't, and it's something that I need to
0: I need to put on my radar. I think it's a good opportunity to practice shooting under pressure. Um, oh, so especially, I need to, I need to do it, especially when
2: your buddies are there trash talking right, right in your ear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no money or anything. It's just about bragging rights. Is that right, Kevin? Just about
1: bragging rights. Hey, man. (laughs) We go through this every fucking year. You fucking chirp, 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 chirp. And then I'm like, okay, well, we'll just wait and see who punches more tags, motherfucker. And then what? You always have me. You always have me in the tag
2: category. (laughs) I always kick your ass at the 3D course. I got to hang on to it because it's all I got.
1: (laughs) This year, I'm gunning for you. So really, no. somebody, something mysteriously happened to my bow last year, Jay. I don't know. I put it out down outside uh, Pete's trailer for a little bit, and all of a sudden, the cables are all fucked up. <laughs> Do whatever
2: it takes, man. Yeah, right. That's full commitment, right? There. Full commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes half-ass.
0: No. Go big or go home. That's what I say. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, how was your season, buddy? You know, it was good. It was funny. It's the best season I've had in a long time, arguably better, the best, um, still not satisfied. I still see, obviously there was room for improvement, but to get two animals with my bow and one with my rifle across basically, I guess, four major hunts, a little bit, a couple of little day hunts here over there. So like 50% success rating because two of the animals came from one hunt together, um, real good more importantly than that i feel like and i've been talking about this a lot lately you know when i first started hunting coming into it as a later on in life like antler size was never really a thing because it's hard for us to imagine now but for people who aren't in our community they don't even understand that there would be a difference between like a big buck and a little buck it's like oh that one has antlers okay shoot it and so when i started hunting my ultimate goal was consistency like I thought a successful, especially because where I grew up in Ontario, like my old man and, and grandpa and uncles would bring home a moose, like every 10 or 15 years, like they had 20 guys hunting one cow tag. So when you heard about people who killed shit every single year, it was like, they were like these heroes. And so my goal was always consistency and I've had a couple blips of consistency, but you know, in all honesty, I felt like that was pretty, it was a lot of luck involved And this year I felt like I felt responsible for my success. Like Mm -hmm. it was a result of my decisions and my actions. And that's empowering because I feel like I can do it again. And when I've had success in the past where it's lucky, you almost start next season with this like anticipation. It's like, well, it happened last year, but I don't really know how much credit I should be taking for that. And it's like, now I'm starting right back at zero again. Whereas like Mm -hmm. this time I'm excited for next year, a hundred percent. And it's like, I have some momentum and I think that's probably the more important thing, you know, coming up towards the end of the year, um, to, to pay attention
1: to and to move forward with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was kind of a bummer, man. And like with my hip there, fuck, it was pretty, cause we had that caribou hunt plan yeah. for up North, man, I was bummed out. And, uh, but you know, I mean, things worked out obviously, and it's good to get that dealt with number one, to get it dealt totally. with. and, just, no, you know, it, it's good now. You know, I have a little bit, once in a while, a little bit of agonizing pain, but no more than the rest of my body. So, it, you know, it's definitely something I needed to do, but man, yeah, I was definitely bummed out we couldn't we couldn't get up there and, and chase caribou again. Yeah, we're going to need round two on on that one for sure.
0: I've been sitting on a $500 deposit with BC Yukon for four years, and now I hear they're, like, going under, getting sold, and I'm like, I think my money's probably gone at this point. <laughs>
1: that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, it's too bad. But, uh, I mean, you know, you got to get out for uh, your elk, and I was pretty stoked, especially to get back-to-back elk, you know. Yeah, that's that's been my ultimate goal. Like, if I had to pick,
0: like, that's my freezer filler. Like, I'm not even, like, a trophy guy when it comes to elk, especially, like, Well,
1: in BC, Pete and I, we've talked about this before, and, like, in BC, it's, like, I mean, I've gotten lucky and shot in big, elk in bc right. but i've also shot a lot of like six point to like just six points and you know yeah. six by six and like decent and some middle of the pack decent six by sixes but it's like you can't be picky like no. i was picky i remember and i've told this story before on the show like i passed on a small six by five and like he was just legal right i've seen a bigger one before i'm not gonna go through the whole story again but you know i passed on him and i never got another chance at a legal bull for the whole yeah. year and in BC it's so hard and it's such like I've hunted now. I've hunted elk in Alberta, and I mean it still has its challenges out there, of course, right? I mean, elk yeah. are they're they adapt to their, their surroundings so well, right? And they're they don't want to die. They're great, you know, they avoid predators, and we're predators, so um, they do a great job at avoiding us and other predators, but BC has you know, we've got such thick tough terrain to get into and like like not a great population of elk that, no. you know, um, to to say you're going to go out and target like a big bull, man, you could go a lot of years without punching an elk tag. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Or,
2: you, I, or I, you'll have a great giant, but it just won't be legal. It'll be the biggest elk you've ever seen. And it's lig- literally a genetic five that kicks the shit out of everything.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've seen lots of those this year. I've seen them one of the biggest like fives I've ever seen in my life. Well, this is one of my frustrations,
0: man. I was looking at a study where the full curl limitation, they looked at it in Alaska actually had a genetic um, impact and they actually switched to rotating years between full curl and three quarter curl. Mm-hmm. And then using quotas to manage the number of of harvests, and I think we're seeing that. I think we see that in four point units, mm-hmm. and I think we see that in in uh, six point or sorry four point muley units, and I think we see that in six point elk units. And trail down at Go Hunt did a really good job that uh, of bringing a whole bunch of studies to light that there's no scientific evidence that four point antler restrictions are a successful way to manage herd health. Like there's other things that we could be doing, you know, to do that. And I do think the six point limit is just a lazy wildlife management tool. I think there's better,
1: op- which is and fro- fitting for, for that's fitting though, for B, the way BC yes. manages wildlife. Right. Yep. So, um, yep. you know that's hundred percent, but yeah, I mean like the four point, like there's a, so many things like the four point rule, six point rule, immature moose. Yep. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on with just like how poorly managed and just like how flippant it seems like our wildlife decisions are made, like, with no, like, they don't make any sense. And like, all the studies yeah. that have been showing through like the Mueller Foundation and like the um, Rocky Mountain Alk Foundation, all these foundations put millions and millions of in dollars yep. into doing studies of these animals. And it's like, why don't you read some of this literature?
0: Yeah. 100%.
1: Man. 100%. And like,
0: this is the thing about spending a lot of time hunting in the States too. The, the minutia that they break units down to and the way they're using herd counts, like it's insane. They're like, they're hand picking. Okay, you're going to get so many from over here and so many from over here. And then we're going to go down this year. and We're going to update like, and it's like micromanaged. And then you come here and we have these like regions that are like the size of small States that just have like blanket restrictions placed upon yeah. them. And it's like, are you guys like this? Is crazy? Like, yeah, I know. And you know, and every time I, you know, voice my opinion that we should have maybe more expensive tags, maybe more lehs. Like, let's be open to some progressive ways to like create some more funding. You know, and you get the old school. I want my forty dollars tags every year. I want to go shoot my oak every year. And it's like, you oh, know, this it's only gonna last so long, man. Like we we well, need the problem a is the approach. pendulum
1: is only gonna swing like it's swinging in favor of like right now it's based on opportunity not quality correct it's all about hunter opportunity and that thing is going to swing so far one way and all of a sudden it's just going to break and then it's going to be fucked absolutely fucked and it's like you're already seeing that now in pro in places of this province, like you said you can't like some of these regions like especially like regions even down in region eight here they're so freaking big you're like are you kidding me and then you look on like yeah. Like you said, like down in the States and like how every year is different. They base it on yep. counts, right? Yep. Every year. It's not just, it's not just a static reg that maybe nope. they make a few addendums to every two years and say, well, there you go. Right. They, oh, we're, we're going to, we're doing our part. We're going to cut immature moose out two weeks in region eight here, or yep. we're taking away the late season archery hunt for meal there. Like, okay. And that's your solution. Like to me, it's just I don't know. It, it's just, it to me, it doesn't seem like it's working. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, they feel like it's working, and the probably the people that they talk to think it's working. But I don't know, man. If once you get involved in like, especially in the space that we're in, and you can kind of talk to other people in the industry and see what's going on in other pro- provinces and states, and you're like, why can't we adapt some of those? Yeah, those blueprints. Like, why can't? It's we not like there's of-
0: not models that work. It's funny coming from forestry. You would think B.C. would be a leader globally in forestry techniques, and it's abysmal. Like you look at some of the steep climbing technology they've got in New Zealand or some of the reforesting uh, technology they have in the Nordic country. Like we're not even in the top 50 when it comes to, oh, it's brutal. Like, And it's because we're fat and lazy like there's shitloads of trees so who cares we're going to use inefficient logging techniques we're going to build roads that are more expensive than they need to be we're going to leave all kinds of waste laying around and cut blocks because we don't have to care and I feel like the same attitude happens with the animals because we've been so you know so lucky with such you know vast wilderness and relatively high populations of animals that there's no like scarcity breeds efficiency and when you almost lose species then it's like okay whoa you pump the brakes you get really scientific about stuff and you got to bring all that stuff back to life and i think because the states went through that and almost lost everything they didn't have that choice was removed from them and i don't i just don't think we've ever gone through that so we've never been forced to pay as much attention to it as other countries have
1: no and it, yeah and like our government doesn't want to put the money that it needs to into no. it they don't put nearly the money that goes into it like what goes into it through tags and all this other stuff, allocations and all that doesn't come back. And it's not, it's not like a dollar spent a dollar or a dollar given a dollar take. It's completely backwards. I don't know. But yeah, like you said, I think just because we've had it for so long and it's been so bountiful, you know, in forestry and logging in fishing, all that stuff. Yep. And it's not till it's almost gone or broken down until you realize, Hey, like we need a drastic change, but, you know, with the way things work up here, man. I would, you know, it's a scary thought to think of. That's what it's going to take for a government to realize what needs to be done. Because, man, it could get like that, and may never, it may never change. Yeah, no, that's a scary. I, thing. I agree. There's
0: and some of the stuff that has happened lately. And I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I do feel on the upside, we live in probably one of the most fortunate areas in the world. Like no one has oh, the yeah, over the counter yeah. opportunities that yeah. we do. So I don't want to no. sit here and just bash our province. But I think you got to be somewhat idealistic about things and see the way they could be, not the way they are. And I I do think just because it's as great as it is doesn't mean we couldn't spend a little time, energy, and money and and really make it what it has the potential
1: to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, unfortunately with our province, I think, you know, all the votes and money and dollars are down in one corner of the province. And our province is so big. Voting on one side of the aisle. Yeah, Yeah. they just... Don't really get And no fuck. clue about what's going on the rest of the with Zero. the rest of the province. Zero. They didn't see it. No. No. Yeah. It's a shame. But but uh yeah, know I mean it, it's we definitely are blessed. I mean, no, you know, um, you talk to guys down in the states and you tell them what we have the opportunity to hunt here, and they're just blown away. So blown I just away. hope it's around for my kids to have the same opportunities that we all get. So yeah, same here, man. That's the biggest concern. So yeah. What's new with you? You got a lot going on. Uh let's talk a little bit about your mindful reviews cuz this is what your second or third time on the show. Might just... be third? Maybe second. I get confused with when you I come on yours and you come on mine. Second yeah. or third? I don't remember. Well, the last time you were on it was like off-air talk of what your what was coming out. Okay. But now it's out there. It's out there. I quit my job today. Did you? I'm done.
0: Seriously?
2: Yeah. Oh, sure. Good for you. Congratulations.
0: I've kind of quit six months ago. Like to be like honest with you, I've put in like 10, 15 hours a week. So for anybody who, who doesn't know, I founded a behavioral economics consulting company and, and ran it with my business partner over the last six years. I used to be in forestry, did an MBA, founded a consulting company, did a bunch of business consulting for big fancy companies and have been slowly working my way out of that gig you know, to the point where the last few months I've really done, you know, not much at all, but I had a meeting with my business partner today. And I said, it's time to, to pull the cord. I'll do, I'll take care of a couple back end things here until the end of the fiscal, but I'm done and we'll, we'll shut things down and cut me out at the end of the year on June 30. But as far as day-to-day activities go, that's it. So I'm full-time uh, mindful hunter and mindful reviews. And I have another, Hunting related business, I'm going to be launching kind of mid-February, but yeah, man. Too early to talk about now, that. I, I, that's that's all people get right now is the hint. There will be, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> we'll there will be that. some, uh, <clears throat> some more vague details coming up kind of mid-January, but um, yeah, man. So I'm fully, fully focused on mindful hunter and mindful reviews.
1: So tell our listeners, I'm sure, like there's obviously a lot of our listeners, sure. Obviously, know who you are and listen. But I mean, for those who don't, let's yeah. just tell them what's going on. So
0: I'll give you the the elevator pitch. And and I think some context helps. So about a year and a half ago, I was watching a and a from a podcast. And I'll even get into who it was. It was um, Wilderness Locals. And somebody said, when are you guys going to look at some backpacks that aren't Kefaru? And they made this post, we're Kefaru for life. You will never see another backpack on this podcast and i respect that everybody you know it, i i didn't it i, I it, why i did it wasn't because that like got under my skin or something but like this light bulb went off in my head and i'm like that's the whole industry like that's the goal right now of people in the industry is to become a one product guy i shoot hoyt i run kafaru i fly this flag that's who i am and i i don't see a problem with that except We've moved into this space where then people kind of portray portray that they are giving you kind of like honest feedback about products. I don't care if somebody's sponsored and says I'm sponsored. I like, you know, when Levi Morgan shoots Matthews, of course, he's going to tell me I get it. They're giving you a couple hundred K a year. Like, I expect you to lie to me about this. It's the guys that are on the fence where you're like. I mean, are they telling me the truth? Is he sponsored? Is he not? I mean, I don't really know. And so I was deeply frustrated by this. So I went to my wife and I said, I'm going to drop five grand on backpacks. Mm -hmm. And uh, she lets me do these crazy things. So I bought five of the best hunting backpacks, did this big ass review, and I was as analytical as I could be about it. It was pretty,
1: it was pretty deep. Like, I remember... It was ridiculous is what it was. It's four hours of YouTube content. I I know dude, but when that came out, it was like, bam. And like, everybody was talking about like, you got a lot of great, like it blew up. It was the biggest thing I'd ever done. Yeah. And it was like positive or negative. I mean, all feedback's great, whether it's positive or negative, like all feedback's awesome. And I felt like it just like, I felt like that was like, boom, it just blew up. And I think that was, that's how
0: you knew it was what was needed. Cause there was Mm -hmm. like this, everybody, there was this, I was like, Oh, holy shit. Wait a minute. This is what we've been waiting for. Like, that's all I wanted was like objective, honest feedback. And especially I think the real home run here was comparative analysis. Like you cannot review products in isolation. We're, we're relative beings. We judge things by how they relate to other things. And so when I sit down with one product, it's very difficult for me to communicate to you how that product performs. When I sit down with four products, all in the same category, and I can tell you that like, okay, this one does this a little bit better. And that one does that a little bit better. It's far more successful at communicating it. So anyways, I did that review, lost a ton of money on the backpack, sold some of them, kept some of them, but I was like, this is, I've got something here. So then I decided to do tents, bought nine tents, reviewed nine tents. And I saw Tanner one time do a raffle for a knife. And I thought to myself, when I had these tents, I was like, holy shit, man. I wonder if I could raffle these tents off. Like they've only been reviewed from a Mm -hmm. functional perspective. There's nothing wrong with these tents. So reviewed the tents, raffled the tents off, blew up, sold out in three hours. I was like, okay, this is interesting because now... And it only applies to certain types of products. But now I have the ability to buy anything I want without any brand allegiance, review it. And as long as I don't destroy it in the process, and as long as as it's not size dependent, like as long as they aren't uh,
1: like snowshoes.
0: Yes, I, I, I don't, I don't do well with snowshoes. I can raffle it off. So there was step two. And then. I actually was having this conversation with Cody Rich. He kind of gave me a bit of a different idea and I misunderstood it. And anyways, I realized I needed something more community driven. And so that's where I came up with the idea. Okay, I'm going to buy products. I'm going to raffle these products off when I'm done with them. But you're going to have to be a member of a community in order to buy the raffle tickets. And the incentive to join the community will be because you want to buy a ticket and we'll make membership pretty cheap. So that it's not a barrier to entry. And then I'll, I'll throw in some some bells and whistles. So currently with Mindful Reviews, we have three tiers of membership, monthly, annual, lifetime. Prices are in USD because 80% of my members are in the US. Five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year or 250 bucks for a lifetime. The only difference between any of those is that lifetime members get entered into a monthly draw for a free prize. So next month I'm doing a... Um, an EDC Civivi pocket knife. Uh, Two months ago, I did a Sitka incinerator muff. So it's normally like a couple hundred dollar prize, but everybody gets to request products to review, buy tickets for the raffles when I'm done with the reviews. We got big active forums and there's basically a big community. So I launched that platform. I built the platforms from scratch, launched it last November. And then as of this morning, we've got, 315 members nice so
1: that's it's good kind it, like of... what it's good because it's honest and it's like yeah. i I love the one post you made in your stories once and I, I think it was the media and you're like hey yeah when well, it was just about like hey when you you can't do a gear review on something like i can't remember what their gear review was on even it was like first light or something like, no
0: it was an fhf bino harness and oh, like that... eight guys on the same day, made the same quasi gear review post. Oh yeah. Okay. And it's like, you guys get your paycheck from the same company that owns them and you. So you're disqualified from reviewing this product. (laughs) Like, it's not, I don't know if you understand this
1: advertising a hundred (laughs)
0: percent. So just tell me it's advertising. Like, and this was my, and people get frustrated with me sometimes because they think I'm on this like anti-marketing rant and I'm not, I don't care if you pay for advertising. I don't care if you pay for marketing. I care when you pay for advertising and marketing and you lie to people and try and come off like it's honest advice that wasn't paid for. That's when I draw the line. Like that pisses me off. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm railing against with mindful reviews.
1: Well, and that's the thing is like somebody who's, even if you're sponsored and like a lot of guys will say I'm sponsored by this, but this is an honest gear review, but they're not giving you an honest vortex gear review against, uh, Swarovski because like, let's be fucking real you can't compare B- Vortex binos to Swarovski binos it's impossible
0: oh. you know it was funny I see in a Remy, Mar- Remy Warren post the other day and I think that I got a lot of respect for that guy but his post goes I've always told tell- told people to buy the best binos you can afford so I'm raffling off Razer UHDs and I'm like "Fuck you like those aren't even close to the best binos that you they're like a thousand bucks In the realm of what binoculars cost, those are cheap pieces of shit. I'm like, if he had said, these are some of the best value binoculars on the market, I'd be like, okay, let's have a conversation now. Because for that price tag, the quality, the warranty, the brand name, the resale ability, like you have a lot of selling points for that bino. But the minute you try and tell me that these are the best binos that you can save up, All the credibility goes out the window because I can name five companies that obliterate that binocular in every objective
1: measure. So it's like, yeah. Oh, dude, when you and I were talking back and forth, and we were talking a while about right when I I was told, I I think I sent you a text, and I was like, hey, man, like, um, what you're running Swarovski's? What are they like? Right? And you're like, fuck, dude, like you wouldn't believe (laughs) it. And so, like, I went through, talked to a couple people, and I found a really good price, so I ordered them. And I remember the first time I looked through them, I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah. like I It was like I did, like an extension of my eye or yeah. better. And like those NL Pures, the field of view you get out of a it's 10 insane. by 42 is absolutely insane. It's like an eight power. A hundred percent it is. But with 10 magnification. Yeah. And like when you use those and like, so my kid now is using like the UHD. Twelve year old kid with Razer UHD fucking binos. Like, don't get me wrong; those are still good, phenomenal. Binos. Yeah, and there's a time and a place. Like, this is the other thing that people get confused about because I
0: tend to review premium gear. I am not saying people need to go drop four grand
1: on a pair of binoculars. Fuck no. Because like I'm four saying grand is, to the working guy is, is a crazy. And if, like, and if
0: it is limiting your ability to hunt because you're spending money on binos, mm-hmm. like I would rather you take a week off work. And go hunting, and go hunting with your Razer UHDs, and take the week off work, then go buy your Swaros. All I'm saying is that if you do want to buy premium gear, let's be honest about how that premium gear stacks up against each other, so you're not wasting your money when yeah. you can afford. it. Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. man. Because like I tell you something like you can use five hundred dollar set of binos, and you'll still kill shit. hundred like, percent. You don't have to. You you don't need all this best gear. Like I think about nope. like. You know, I said it before, like I look at my my father-in-law, like that guy ran those fucking massive Nikon things. And he wore cowboy boots, jeans yeah. and fucking horse jacket, up. wranglers. And he'd cut those guys would go up and they were killing stone sheep yeah. and caribou in a weekend. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, you can still get it done, but 100 um, percent. Yeah. If you're talking premium stuff, then, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't compare like those to me. That's just not in the same. It's not and that's where I
0: like the last few comparative reviews I've done. What I've really tried to do is give different recommendations in different price points. So, in the last binocular review, I did six pairs of binos. Two were sub 1000, two were sub 2000, and two were in the like kind of $3,500 range. Because, again, you know, like let's take a company like Tract, for example. Tract has a license to use shot HT glass, which is the same glass used in Zeiss. I think if you were going to, if you're going to spend less than a thousand dollars on a pair of binoculars, I think there's true value to be had in a company like tracked, but Tract doesn't have vortex marketing budget. You don't see 400 dudes on YouTube, you know, you know, wearing tracked hats. I've never even heard of them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they are, it's like really quality gear. It's two guys. I think one's from like Browning and one's from Burris. They're both named John. I just happened to run into this dude at a trade show once and started talking to him. And I started testing their gear. And I'm like, this is good gear for like their, their, their Toric UHD binos are, I think 750 US. And now they don't have the same coatings as Zeiss. So I'm not saying you're looking through Zeiss glass, but for 750 US dollars, like and that's where I see I have a responsibility. Like mm-hmm. don't buy the marketing hype. If that's your budget, let's find you the best product we can possibly find you for the amount of money that you have,
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, do you find a do you get any pushback from these dealers at all? Oh, tons. I am not what I do is
0: not good or favored from the industry now, You're not
2: loved? no, <laughs> it's brutal. Uh, uh, Come on.
0: Now (laughs) there are exceptions, you know, like I had a little bit of troubled water with Maven and then things smoothed out. And I basically have an agreement with them now, technically their PR company. When, when I go to do a review, I send off an email. I say, this is what I'm looking at. Can I borrow this? Now, the funny thing about Maven is they also have a borrow program where you just give me your credit card. They'll ship you a demo model. You can use it for two weeks and ship it back. So even if the PR company didn't do what they were doing, I could still get away I could I could rig it and just pretend I was demoing the bino and then do a review and then ship it back but I'd rather be above board. Yeah, yeah. So there are certain companies like Maven does that, Tracks does that. I've had a pretty good relationship with some apparel companies like Sitka, Stone Glacier, um Argali. Here's here's what it boils down to. The people who I tend to have good relationships are designers who are know
1: they make good gear yeah that's and what normally i was are from. because yeah not, it, like they're not hiding anything like, no hey, they're not yeah. afraid they're like have we it bro tr- yeah yeah. we trust our gear like yep. sure it's not for everybody but i guarantee you it's gonna be it's gonna fucking work and they're yeah. just like hey they're confident right they got like, fucking do what you want and here's what i've learned so in my past
0: line of work i basically dealt with consumer psychology and so when you go to discount a product there's something called an inverted u-curve So when the discount is zero, there's basically no impact on purchase incidents. So that lack of a discount is not influencing your decision to buy. As a discount goes up, your likelihood to buy goes up. However, it hits a point when it falls over a cliff. Because if a discount gets too high, it creates doubt around the quality of the product. It's like you ever go to Canadian Tire and look at the cookware and they got like Lagosina pans at 80% off. It's like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Like this is not a $400 pan for 80 bucks. Like something just doesn't ring true. The same thing I believe happens in gear reviews. When you have people come on and say this product is perfect. I think it backsfires. I think people it's like that matrix coat where you give people a world that's too perfect and they can't take it. I think when you give a gear review, that's too perfect. They can't take it. So what some of the companies have realized is that when I do my objective reviews and I give you the positive and the negative in an objective, because I've never yet reviewed a perfect product. Yep. There's always been something that I think could be improved. And I'm honest with people about that.
1: Well, like, and okay. you're also honest about the fact that it's, w- this is just you. Yes. What, what might work for me and the way I yes. hunt, not necessarily is going to fit into how you're presenting this review. Totally. Right. You're just giving the most informative method possible of reviewing this in the most honest way possible for the average hunter. Yep. hundred percent. And the nice thing for me,
2: if I'm out shopping and I look at your review and be like, oh shit, I was actually going to go look at those backpacks. Yep. You know what? Oh, well, three out of those five are actually ones I was looking at some of your stuff that you may have come up with in the product that's negative might be something I haven't even thought of Right. that I should consider. It may be something that's important to me it may not be but at least if it's there i can weigh that again when you're looking across the board and okay you know bang for buck am i willing to give up this versus this other negative thing you're cut you know what i mean a hundred percent man but at
0: least you're able to see that ahead of time bino harnesses are the perfect example for this because everybody wants something different from a bino harness and I've worn five over the last year and done reviews on all of them. And I, I even have a review called the best binocular harness for your hunting style, because like, I'm an everything guy. I want my phone. I want my rangefinder. I want my diaphragms. I want my wind checker. I want my knife. I want some ribbon. Like I want my life on my chest. And maybe, maybe that comes from being an archery hunter because I can ditch everything. And as long as I got my bino harness and my yeah. bow, I'm good to go. There are people who want nothing but binoculars. They carry the rangefinder in their pocket. They don't want their phone anywhere near them. And it's like, we are going to have two completely different, you know, solutions to the problem that we're trying to solve, you know, so I can do my best to talk about the different feature sets, but I can't tell you what to go to buy. I can only tell you what worked for me and what elements I liked and what elements I, I didn't like.
1: Yeah. And like Bino Hunters is tough. Like I'm always hot and cold on Bino Hunters. Sometimes yeah. I'll wear Bino. A lot of the times I just wear a strap. Right. And I have my I got a key ring through it and I just keep my rangefinder in my That's a John Dudley thing. In my pocket. And like to be honest though, like a lot of the times I don't I like I have I spend really good money on a range finder with good glass and good magnification so i don't have to use my binos because i yeah. bow hunt that's and funny. if i'm yeah. if i'm like in tight like in elk hunting country where it's thick or if i'm in when i'm whitetail hunting and a blind or tree stunt i don't even use binoculars yeah i just use my rangefinder, yeah. and and i'm always glassing and always ranging yeah glassing ranging glassing ranging, always so I'm kind of hot and cold, but I mean, it is nice to be able to have, you know, so the problem with that is like you reach in your pocket and there's like wind checker, release, I don't know what the fuck that is, go on the other one, range <laughs> yeah. range, it's yeah. like you're pulling shit out of two pockets, Is like never enough pockets. That's why, you know, a chest protector or a chest, a bino harness yeah. is cool. nice to have because everything's just like neat and tidy and accessible, your tags are there, you don't have four tags in your in your backpack and two fell outside your truck or some shit like that. Yeah.
2: I absolutely love my bino harness, but again, I think the one major thing, and it comes down to the style of hunting that I do where I am, because I do a shit ton of still hunting and my binos are up every three, four steps. The only thing I don't like about mine is that my bino harness folds toward my body. Oh yeah. Where I wish it folded away from my body but I never actually thought about it until my first year using it. Yeah. And you know, some, some, some years I, I still hunt more than others, depends on the opportunities obviously that are around, but hunting the white tail and the elk and the thick shit that I'm in, frick, I would just leave that thing open and it, you know, was yeah. downpouring or whatever, then maybe I'd flip it up. So I'm not, you know, getting everything soaked. But for me, it's like half the time I leave mine outside of my bino harness now because otherwise it's extra movement, lifting the lid pulling it out it's more noise so yeah there's always there's always something
0: otherwise the rest of it I love but it's like see and that's the other thing that I'm trying to do because not like everybody's gonna have to buy that piece of gear and run it for a year to to find out oh, all that you. stuff and realize yeah. oh this one's not for me and if I can help people short circuit some of that and just because mm-hmm. listen for guys like us who've been doing this for years I've gone through three or four of everything. To get to where I'm finally happy, like three or four different pants, three or four different packs, three or four different pieces of glass. And now it's like, now my system is set and I'm, and I'm good to go. But if we could, if we could short circuit that and even get people down to one to two instead of three to four,
1: you know, that's a lot more money people. Well, that's mentorship when it comes down to it. It's like, you basically, there's so many things that I learned from my mentor, not just about hunting, but just about gear They tell you what to get, when to use it, all that shit that cut my learning curve down huge and just helped me immensely. And like, basically that's what you're offering people at the same time, right? You're like, Hey, and the thing is, it's like, it didn't, everything that he just suggested didn't always work for me, but I still took it in, used what I could. And then the rest, you have to make an educated decision for yourself. And a lot, unfortunately with hunting, especially a lot of it's trial and error. You don't really know, like trying something on this, in the store isn't going to do it justice until you have a hundred pounds in it and you're trucking up and down yeah. the mountain for a few days.
0: Hey, glass is the best
1: example. Go look at binoculars and Cabela's good
0: luck. Yeah. It's, yeah they'll look exactly. phenomenal. They'll all look phenomenal. It's crazy. Yeah. It's bright. The other thing that I've recognized about glass and I've even had to adapt my testing methodologies is that atmospheric conditions are everything. Like I recently tested that cow 66 loved. It was amazing took it to Colorado in some hot weather at the end of October, glass and stuff, you know, 14 1,500 yards away. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't know, man, this ain't very impressive anymore. And it's like, so to have optics and be able to test them through multiple different atmospheric conditions, like, and really see, like, how the different gla- glass responds to heat waves and other things that, like, I don't care how good your glass is once that heat kicks up and those waves start kicking up and you're, you know, 1500
1: yards plus like that crispness and that detail goes to shit. Yeah, absolutely. So with these reviews, Jay, are you going to do like, I mean, obviously as you go along and as you get more popular, are you going to do like, like to do a bino heart, like to do a bino one, are you going to do it? Like maybe get into more depth of like, um, you know, like, maybe five vest binoculars under a thousand bucks or is it you kind of just winging it by ear and kind of just what the people who are members already want to see it's a combination of both so and, and it's also access
0: because i don't have infinite funds either and some of these things you know when i go to do a spotting scope review like it would cost me 30 grand to go buy six spotting scopes and i don't have I, I can't sustain a raffle like that at this point. Like there's, I wouldn't be able to sell $30,000 worth of raffle tickets. The interest just isn't that high. So it's a combination of everything. Typically I try and come up with some kind of theme based on some interest or a gap in the market. It's like, Oh people there's, there's a need for this particular type of review. And then I post about it in the community and I say, so here's a prime example. And here's a, a an exclusive for you guys. Cause I haven't even made an Instagram post about this. But I'm just about to start a range finding binocular review. So I decide two months ago, I want to do a range finding binocular review. So reach out to a couple companies, see who's willing to pony up. Only one who bit was Gunworks. And I was shocked. And they volunteered. Like they hit me up. I wanted a pair of those new Revic Binos. And they're like, yeah, be in the mail Monday. Ship them back when you're done. And I'm like, I thought, I don't know why, but I had this idea that Gunworks would be these like,
1: dicks because they're that like goes back to their confident in their product 100 like, that, that would be my initial thought is like hey, that's man, exactly what i thought and i gave them a shout like, out
0: because i'm like you are showing me through your actions you have nothing to hide yeah you're like exactly. yeah take them because yeah. <clears throat> that's normally my argument to these companies they're like i'm not asking for free stuff because let me borrow something for a month or two yeah but i recognize that it's not always in their best interest so that's step one and and the Revic one was really the instigation for that review because it had kind of blown up over the last 6 to 12 months. Like everybody's kind of talking about this. And I'm like, okay, there's probably something that needs to be looked at here if it's if that many people. It's kind of like these new SIG uh, binos. Those are going to have to be looked at pretty soon because everybody's flipping their lid about those. Then I go into mindful reviews and I say, okay, I'm doing range-finding binos. I'm going to limit it to 10 by 42s so we have apples-to-apples apples comparison. What do you guys want to see? Everybody chimes in in the comments, writes down a list. I tally up the votes. I come up with what people want, and then I do my best to get those. And I like beg, borrow, and steal. You know, some like SNS Archery, which is owned by Steve, who owns EXO. I have a pretty good relationship with them, so they'll lend me glass sometimes. Outdoorsman's has lent me glass before, and then these days, people want to lend me glass. Like mm. I think That's because nice. what I'm trying to do is like kind of honorable i think people feel good about participating in it and people hit me up all the time like fair enough hey man if you ever want to look at this i've got it especially during the off season right now like people aren't using their binos yeah yeah so i put together six pairs of binos i've learned now six is my limit for any type of category review i did nine tenths one time and it turned into a shit show like you just can't keep it all straight in your head or create a video that has any type of narrative. Like you're just, there's way too much data. So I get six pairs of binos. They're sitting in the other room right now. And now I will go forth. And, and what typically happens is that then that defines what the next missing link is. So for example, I did an 85 millimeter spotter. Everybody in the comments was like, this is phenomenal. We need 65. So I'm like, okay, 65 it is. So I'll do the 10 by 42 range finding b- bino. And out of that, something will, will will come up um that needs. And I think probably the most audacious kind of review I've ever attempted. And I think the goal moving forward will be to have several different reviews going on at the same time. I kind of oh. like looking at them as like little, medium, and big. So Huto, a um uh, Mike DeFeo, a BC guy owns a company. I'm just about to do a review covering his knife and I'm going to compare it against the Havalon Prana. That's the kind of thing that like takes me a day. Mm-hmm. I've used it for a season. I've put it through its paces. It really is just me sitting down, collecting my thoughts on paper, and then flipping the lights in the studio, recording the video and throwing it up. So that doesn't take me a lot of energy. The range finding bino is like medium, large, something like that takes me a month by the time I like organize all the gear, Test all the gear, yeah. compile all the results, create the spreadsheet, and then film it and post it one to two months.
1: Yeah.
0: What I'm starting to get into now is what I'm going to call my like longitudinal reviews. So I've just started a bow review. So as some people who listen may know, I was on a whitetail hunt and my bow, I say it blew up and I recognize that's a hyperbolic statement. It didn't actually blow up in my hand, but it was a carbon fiber bow and the release insert that is supposed to be epoxied into the carbon fiber riser literally blew off the bow with the entire rest when I shot a whitetail. And a so height. I decided maybe I should get shoot a new a yeah, yeah. Pete, and shoot I, height, I, Pete. so and we can get into their response cuz that's pretty funny too. Um and so I decided I want to do a bow review, but I was like I
1: Fucking bow it. review is like, when you told me you're doing this, I was like, holy fuck. And like, I got excited because yeah, like, oh, yeah. like, fuck man, I've shot, I shoot two bows a year and I shoot two different bows, two or three bows a year because I shoot a lot and my shit gets fucking mangled throughout yeah. the season. So I have to, I need new bows all the time. Yeah. And like, I've shot a lot of bows and like, when you told me this, I was like, holy fuck, I mean, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. Cause that's like. That's my bread and butter, right? That's my, that's my thing. And then I was like, then we were texting back and forth and I was just like, so many thoughts are going through my head because like, this is really hard to do. Like, like to do a detail as in depth as you get into these bows, because like, we're talking car, you could do carbon bows, you could do aluminum bows and you get into like different brace heights and axle to axle and like that, you know, IBO speed and like, man, it's just like, they're so arch, they're so complex. That I, I feel like, yeah, you on this, you'd have to do it on the way you're doing. You couldn't just do it justice by just doing like shooting six bows in a month and being like, here's what I think. See, no and way. that was the whole reason. So for people listening, the way I'm
0: going to structure this bow review is I'm going to do six bows over six months and I'm going to buy a bow, my own cash. I'm going to live with it for a month. I set it, everything up myself, build it in my shop, shoot it religiously for a month, and then do the review and then are you going to do
1: certain are you going to no, do no, no. like the same amount of arrows like try to keep arrow tally on the exact same amount to see what like kind of different string stretch you're getting and yes. uh, you know and all that stuff throughout just
0: certain degree like there's only so much i can control but like yeah obviously. i will i i essentially have the same practice behavior and i will try to keep that consistent the one thing that's not really fair is that some of these months there's going to be a hunt and some of them there isn't so there will be sometimes when I'm, I'm, you know, like I just got the new prime. I leave for New Mexico January 4th on an archery mule deer hunt. So I'm going to have the opportunity to take that on a hunt. So that's going to give me some interesting insights that I'm not going to get with some of the other bows. And that's just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know, but I will try and keep track of the things that are comparable between all the bows and then the things that are kind of outliers that I, that I noticed that I didn't get the opportunity to get similar insights. But that was... Like I think MFJJ down at Podium Archery mm-hmm. is a fantastic yeah. resource. I think Kellen Inside Out Precision, like those are probably my yeah. two favorite YouTube guys. And I will never know as much about archery as those two guys do. Mm-hmm. But even well, I mean, those guys—that's guys... that's their job. Like Dave, they, oh, they're, they're and they've been doing it for decades. Right? Yeah. But even those guys, their bow review. Is like it comes in, they take it out of a pack, they put a yeah. whisker biscuit
1: they on the same five they things. shoot three yeah. arrows, and it's like in an evening, they write and it's kind of like well. And the thing is, with a lot of bows, and like all the bows are so good right now, but like to be fair to the bow companies, you have to dress that bow up before it, and shoot it to yeah. really get a feel of it. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like we I were you need about- at least
0: a month. I, you need to let it settle. Yeah. Like, exactly. that's what, like my holly- put a
1: stabilizer on it. Yes. You need to, you need to shoot. You, you got to put a drop away on it Yep. and like, you can't, you know, to shoot it and say, oh yeah, there's a little bit of hum to it. It's not quite dead in the hand, but a lot of bows are set up to be shot, you know, with a stabilizer on it. with a quiver on it. You know, they're designed to have a little bit of weight and like a lot of, most bows now do, are trying to run everything down the center of the bow because that's hot. Right. So whether it's, you know, a Picatinny rail or bridge lock system or whatever it is, they're all trying to do that. But I mean, you do need to like, to me, a bow is more comfortable with a little bit of weight on it. Like fully dressed up.
2: Oh, it feels way different. Way, Way, way different. More comfortable.
1: Yeah. I also
0: think bows need to settle like the draw cycle on my RX seven ultra changed. Like the way that it drew the first day is not the way that it drew two, three months later. Yeah. Because um, your strings are going to react and your cables are going to react yeah, a lot differently. Right. And yeah, so those it just cams gets, are go- it gets yeah. broken in yeah. and then, and then, and it wasn't like a major difference, but it was like, this feels that would have, I would have made a different, I I possibly could have made a different decision if this was how, The bow felt when I drew it the first time, maybe I would. It has a tendency to really fall over into the back wall Mm -hmm. hard. So what happens if I pull it back hard enough to get right over that hump in the middle? When I hit my back wall, it destabilizes my bow. And then I got to wait for it to settle back down again before I can shoot. Or if I kind of, luckily I'm a pretty big dude, but if I try and bring it back slowly over that wall, Sometimes shit gets a little bit sideways. Do you know what I mean? And I don't feel confident in my draw cycle. And that was something I only learned after shooting that bow for an extended period of time. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's why you have to, you have, if there are certain products, ideally you'd run everything for a year, but it's just not realistic. And my grand vision, I hope to build mindful reviews up to the point five, 10 years from now. where like, I'm not the only guy who's looking at stuff and that way I can take more time with stuff because I'm not responsible to get all the content out. But I think moving forward, I'm trying every product. I'm trying to spend more and more time with it because you just get more opportunities to learn.
1: Yeah. And archery is tough because as you shoot more, as you, as you get more into archery, as you shoot more, you're going to start to develop things and learn things about yourself, your draw cycle, your process that it's not that you didn't know them but you weren't aware aware of them and a lot of things that when you're going through your shot process is like you're anticipating and it's almost like target panic right you're not you're just not settled into any certain thing like take for instance like I used to really like high brace heights big brace heights I hate them now the smaller the brace height the better right I embrace the fact I want something that's going to show me any little mistakes or arrows that is going on downrange. Do you think it's the same correlation between
0: that and let off? Like I would argue a more experienced archer almost appreciates a little
1: bit less let off because it keeps them a little bit more engaged in the shot. Like, do you think that's well, what it, it is about brace height? It, it, it uh, absolutely it does. That's why like target archers, they shoot with a less let off, right? Because yeah. it allows you to be more engaged in your shot where, but the thing is also you got to be careful because in a hunting situation, you could be sitting there at full yeah. draw for four or five minutes. Now yeah. there's a big difference between a 90% let off and a 65% let off. Right. Huge. So I think there's know. also differences in the bite of let off. Like that was the other thing I noticed about the Hoyt.
0: Like it'll hang back there. Like I got to come yeah. forward like a good half an inch. And then when that thing bites, it bites hard and you yeah, got to be ready the for it.
1: Cams, and it, and it comes roll. forward. Or like, notice... For instance,
0: this prime I'm shooting yeah. it's, I still have a very comfortable let off, but if I just give it the little, just the tiniest little bit, it le- it like yes. rolls over forward nice and smooth. And those are two very different experiences well, with
1: technically is, the same let off. But the cam systems are designed differently. Yes. Right? And
0: like yeah. prime I've never is, shot I've a shot- center bow until this prime. And that, I got to yeah. tell you, that is. That's an adaptation, it's almost a different shooting style in some ways,
1: yeah. And like, I shot Prime, and like, they're really well known for how comfortable their back wall is, and even yeah, just like pulling it's beautiful, through the valley. yeah. Like, they're so, such a smooth bow, like, beautiful, so bows. smooth, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it when you told me you're doing this, I just got excited because, like, to just you know, I mean, Archie's one of those things for me, anyway, you could just sit there and nerd out about it nonstop. stop. Like, I'll get going in my shop and start pulling a bow apart, and I can be, oh, I'll, I,
0: I'll I pull love up it. Part man.
1: Put it back together, and you
2: know it's my when it, passion. When it comes to the new technology that a lot of these um, companies are kind of looking at for for tunability, like I don't have a bow press, and my closest shop that I have, I'm lucky. He's a really good bow shop, but it's two hours away. Yeah, so it's it's not like I can tinker with something. I can, you know, s- switch my cams and all. You know, like there's only so much I can do. I have so two time, bow I presses. I with.
1: could give you one, but I'm not, because I don't want you to have any advantage. In the <laughs> but
2: you know what I mean? Like the way some of these new companies are coming through with being able to adjust your cam lean and stuff. I mean, you yep. can't do everything, but man. Well, you can, can almost, bit...
1: so like that new bow that Athens came out with, or like even Bowtech has the same systems, the Deadlock yeah. or the Accutune. You can tune your bow in a vice. Like you yeah. can buy a vice online at Amazon for 50 bucks mounted yeah. to a wooden table is law. But the thing, okay, here's the thing about a vice. You have to make sure that you're mounting it in a level position. No, I shouldn't say that with the $50 vice, you got to make sure you're leveling in a, in the, in, on a level platform, because if you're going to use that bow vice and I use my bow vice to check my third axis, yeah, It has to be perfectly level or else anytime you pull that sucker back and draw it back to check your third axis, if your table is off a tiny little bit and it's not perfectly level, that's going to show in on how you're rotating your bow in yeah. your press or your, your vise.
2: But being able to pull your cams in or out yeah, within a oh, couple of minutes. That,
1: and, oh. that system is like Phenomenal. I, first time I worked on a bow tech, a friend of a friend brought their bow over because I work on a lot of bows here. And I got to mess around with it. Like we were paper tuning this thing. And I was he had a really he had left hair. And I I hate moving a rest. if I I'll put a 13 16s, find your center shot, and like boom. We got like normally, you know, you'd have to put a bow in a vise, take all the strings and cables off, pull the axles out, shim it, put it back together, and shoot. And like that, okay, there's 15 minutes. If you're good at it, if you've done a lot, there's 15 minutes. Take a shot. Nope. Okay do it again 15 minutes like you could be sitting there all day and still not be any better off than you were at the beginning with that system man we had that thing tuned paper tuned cam tuned like we changed we changed the cam positioning on it like 15 minutes yeah just like brilliant i'm like how is every bow like i I, it's one of those things like i get it's probably going to be on every bow
0: well, that's it's, what we notice with the inline system. You know, yeah. somebody will come out with the innovation, and everybody else has to play catch up. Yeah. What kicks us in the dick is when they all do it in a slightly different way.
1: Oh fuck! So me. right like, now freeze. you have
0: yes. Hoyt with the Picatinny system. You have Matthews with the bridge lock. Yeah. You have Bowtech with their own proprietary system. And then so, because that was the other thing, I was trying to buy components for all these six bows, and then I started. I'm like, do I do I just do dovetail on everything? Do I not? Because I can't, I can't go in line with, uh, with the time not every dovetail go, will fit.
1: That's what I mean. So I'm like, post.
0: am I going to buy a brand new site every single time I set up a bow? Like, yeah. and some of them are more interchangeable than, than others, but it's like, that's a real drawback to the industry. Like, I'm glad yeah. we have
1: innovation, but I'd also, if we could get along a little bit better, do you know what I mean? Like, well, it's, and, it's hard too, because if you really like shooting one site, that site might be, be, yep. In the same brand as a bow, and they're only gonna. Well, Bowtech is a
0: is a great example. Same company yeah. owns them that owns Black Gold. So mm-hmm. right now, the only way you're gonna get the inline Bowtech system is directly from. And the thing is, you can't even buy the adapter from Black Gold. You can uh, I tried because I have a Black Gold Pro Hunter HD, and you can buy the Quick Link for the Hoyt, or you can buy the dovetail for the Bridge Lock, as separate components. So you don't need a brand new site, but they're not selling. Maybe after this year because the BoTech one, but currently they're not selling that as an independent unit. You have to buy a whole, whole and unit. it's it's called the BoTech Hunter HD, and it's like guys, it's just the black gold. Like, can we just put a different sticker on it and like sell it to me? But anyways, um, there's a prime example of if you want to, and I remember when I bought my Hoyt RX7 Ultra, there was only like two rests that had Picatinny attachments, and that's why I switched to black gold because I was like, this seems like a pretty big deal to me to move my entire site housing in line with the bow seemed And it really, I used to have a lot of like left, right, lean problems with my pro defiant 34. And then when I went with the Hoyt quiver, like right in and the inline, it solved all of that. You know, it's also well, a much also, newer bow, but.
1: Well, yeah. And it comes down to limb pocket design too. A lot of right. that. Right. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, like there's just, Yeah, it's just endless. Endless. Yeah. So the other thing that I want to add here with this
0: bow review is like, I'm not John Dudley. I'm not MFJJ. I'm not inside out precision, but I also think a lot of those guys talk over people's heads. And I think if I had any gift at all, it's an ability to communicate and articulate myself in a way that people get, I can take pretty complex shit and boil it down to pretty
1: simple, you know, you know, well, and that's that the narrative get. that the average shooter is going to be because yes, like not everybody's going to shoot their bow every day a lot. Not everybody no. has the ability to shoot. I mean, yeah. let's be realistic. If you have a garage or even a room, this yeah. room here is 14 feet. If I really wanted to, I could shoot in this room. It's I like, was just, yeah. I practiced here before the podcast. I get seven yards yeah. down my hall. And it comes down to, and like we talk about it all the time, it's like understanding your draw process, like yeah. close your eyes and shoot, right? Once you see that target. You can close your eyes and you hit it if you're focused enough and you just know, like if you just accept the fact that that shot's coming and just understand w- what has to happen for you to hit that target, you're going to hit that target. You could hit it with your eyes closed as long as you're not drawing off target, right? As long as you're staying on target, you're going to be able to hit it. You don't need to re it.
0: It has had a huge, the, the, the close stuff I do here where I'm literally just it's not a matter of practicing accuracy
1: because I'm only seven yards no, away. And, and I'm and practicing not, my shot process. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is like the best way to and the best way to, to do that is to just practice your draw process, your draw cycle, yep. all everything else that's going through you, and not even worry about what's going on downrange. Almost like blind bail. Yeah, exactly. And like because yeah. a lot of the times what's going on downrange isn't reflectant of what you're doing up here and you could see a lot of guys shooting and like to be honest there's no perfect way of shooting right there's no perfect shot like there's fundamentals you need like grip anchors anchors are different for everybody grip is different for everybody but you need those basics but everybody's built differently have you ever seen how cam anchors
0: no i haven't paid attention it's his thumb on the back of his neck Oh, camp. yeah, I've seen that. He, he shoots an index release. He comes all the way back and he anchors with his thumb on the back of his neck yeah, and that's and shoots his the index yeah. release, yeah, and which is I mean. like insanity. And that dude will drop a balloon at 160. You, lo- yeah. you, you cannot debate
1: the accuracy of that man.
0: And he has a completely well,
1: unorthodox at, style. You look at all the best, some of the best shots in the world. Like you could you no know, go through and you can watch any of them. They all shoot something. Some guys shoot like, look at the size of some of their D loops. Yeah. Right. And like, well, look at and Tim like, Gillingham, an, an, an admitted trigger puncher oh, slams
0: yeah. the thing yeah. and crushes competitions and has yeah. for decades.
1: Yeah. Are and, but at? the thing is that, so like he's done it so many times, like, so like yeah. Wyatt, I recently, recently switched Wyatt to, like Wyatt was suffering major target panic because he went from a from a wrist strap to a thumb yeah. release. Okay, right? so we switched him to a thumb release, and all of a sudden he developed major target target panic. Interesting. And I'm like, and I I'm like, okay, how about we try to we on a breakaway like a back tension? Yeah. Right. And he still punches the back tension release. Okay. Really. Like he he doesn't. We're I'm trying to get him to understand like so my so I've gone through with him and I've I've show to my what goes through my head and my shot process and exactly how it works and like i've 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 walked him through where it takes like two minutes to do it but the thing is when you see me shoot it's just i've shot so much it's all condensed it happens really quickly but it happens the exact same every single time i shoot every single time i'm saying the same things in my head and i'm saying like i'm doing the exact same thing i just do it really quickly and smoothly because i've done it thousands and thousands of times that you don't notice it but if I break it down and slow it down and explain what I'm doing and even like when I'm holding my pin on it's like if I'm shooting a breakaway it's like no 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 and then it's like yes and then it then it breaks right when yeah. I want it to break a break but at any time throughout that process I can stop what I'm doing yeah. and still start again and pull
2: through it I think but- it's the biggest thing is is doing that exact thing Every single time, as long as you're not doing something like completely wonky, like you look at Olympic shooters, the whole nine yards. Look at how much nose pressure, or face pressure they have right. on their string. You it's see crazy. some people, it looks like it's through the back of their head. There's so much, but it's the exact same amount of pressure. Yeah, for every consistency.
1: Time. Yeah, but yeah. for like trying to teach him how to get out of that, he's got ma- major trigger panic right now. So he's switching. He still has, he still has target panic with his back tension. Like he just punches that thing. It's like he gets up and and like. So when we're, we're going through and it's back to, I'm like, accept the click, accept the fact that that click's going to happen. So it's like he goes up and he draws and he's like, it takes him forever to find it. I'm like, why? you need to make that part of your draw cycle. Like that's just going to be an extension of your draw cycle. So you get up, settle, click. And now you're now you're at your final process for where you're going to shoot and then just let it break. But it's like he gets up, gets up, and he's anticipating. He's anticipating going to click and then he's just goes like i this. had to get rid of the click because it's it would scare
0: the shit out of me like it would like it would literally startle me so well, that's shoot. what it does to him like yeah and he
1: gets a click and he's like he flinches and yeah. i'm like why are you flinching i'm like you realize all this energy is going forward and it's like the same yeah. thing you get like people get when they're shooting a rifle right yeah. it's like 100%. they're anticipating that explosion yeah. in the gun and like i guess archery is the same thing it's just not, not as, as loud, but it's the same not concept. As violent. Yeah, yeah, not as violent, but I mean, like everything is going, but you can't control any of it. No. Like you can't control, you can't control that ex- that explosion is going to happen, but you want it to happen. You have to embrace the fact that that explosion, whether it's in a gun or in a bow, that it's going to happen, right? And that yeah. just is all part of this, this process of getting that arrow downrange.
0: Yeah, I had to I went and saw Joel Turner and I switched to a hinge. I don't even know how many years ago now. And I had to take do you the hunt click. with a hinge? I hunt with a hinge. I do everything with a hinge. Really? And I took the click out. I have no click. I don't like for me I don't like it. You just um, know when it's going to break. I don't know when it's going to break in a perfect situation. I know when I'm settled. So I have a particular way I hold it to draw back because that's the problem with a hinge is that you you know, if you yeah, roll you your wrist roll as you it, draw back, you're, you're going to fire. I know when it draw back and I have like my anchors, like my two fingers at my draw. And when I get here, boom, and then I'm set. And then I just start rolling that pinky and dropping that elbow. And then in the perfect world, I don't know when it's going to go. But the thing is, it's like you were saying, I know when I'm getting close. So if my (laughs) pin's not doing what I want to do, I just hang out for a bit. That's what I mean. And then when I start getting the pin movement I want, then I'll continue then with my shot execution yeah. and if I need to reset I'll reset yeah. the best way I can describe it with animals though cuz I actually shoot best under pressure cuz I stop thinking yeah. it's not that I stop thinking but I stop being so logical about everything um and the only way I can explain it with animals is when my pin rests for that like little quarter of a second where you know I'm stable now I'm right in the boiler room every single time arrow just goes man Mm -hmm. it's like this part of it my brain is connected when that pin does what i need it to do the rest of this shit just happens i never have to think about breaking my shot in a hunting situation i just worry about that fucking pin and then when that pin does what i want it to do that shot breaks and i shoot money with that hinge in hunting situations i love it man Mm -hmm. maybe i gotta take
1: the click out of the form. But
2: I mean that'd be interesting because I've I've talked about I wouldn't mind trying and I, I still might I, I think it's ultra is it ultra view has it's they got have the a thumb release. Hinge. Yeah. It's the thumb re- but they have a thumb release with the click too I think and yeah. it's partially for training. Okay. And I've often thought about that because I don't want to hunt with a hinge. Yep. I like I love my my thumb release. Sure. Love it to bits. But I've thought about would that
0: click help? You know see like, and the funny part out? was I never planned on hunting with a hinge. I bought a, a True Ball Fulcrum Flex and a True Ball Excel. Um, is it called the Excel? Anyways, they're identical form factors. One's a hinge, one's a thumb button. And so they have the exact same anchor. And my plan was always, I'm going to practice with the hinge, and I'm going to take the thumb button hunting. And then I just <laughs> fell in love with shooting the hinge so much. I've literally...
1: Yeah. That's what I do. I have a hinge okay. I'll shoot with, and then I, my carter I've modified. I've okay. taken it apart, filed it down. So, I mean, you can breathe on that thing. It'll go on it. But I essentially do the exact same process. I don't yeah. use my thumb at all. I just roll my hand. And then yep. the rolling motion... You hit the, that thumb. It pulls thumb, it into the thumb. Which thumb, is what thumb.
0: you're supposed... Like, that's, yeah. that's why a hinge and a thumb button, you should be able to have yeah. the same shot process with both. Because theoretically, it's that
1: same rolling motion that's supposed to but actuate the But I do the love the option when i need it i can just yeah hammer that trigger when i need to because i've had to and i've had to canter my bow i've had to pull my bow off my face a little bit yeah shoot and then you can just hinges are a little bit wonky too man like i've
0: had arrows go off when i didn't want them and i think unless you're hyper confident with your hinge and i've been shooting mine over 3 years now i don't recommend taking it cuz you you don't want to fire an arrow you know at half draw when you're in a hunting situation and that's when it will happen because you really
1: you have to have that hinge in the right spot every single time you draw you back or that bow is going to fire at half oh, yeah. draw yeah especially and those things if you they can be as sensitive as you want i mean yes
0: i've got mine pretty hot i like it because the problem is the longer like tangan- it takes to go off, yeah. I'm like, uh, when's it going? When's to, it going? Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I like to like settle, pop. You like it hot. Yeah. Going and hot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what he even says on the little dial, like hot. And you like oh, really? move yeah. it closer. <laughs> that's and awesome. Hot. I like it <laughs> hot.
1: Hot sauce. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. Cool, buddy. Well, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up. Thanks yeah. for coming on the show again, bud. I appreciate you
0: having me on, man. And it's like one of the things that I've struggled with. There's a lot of good people in the community, but I understand how a lot of people put food on their tables. So like getting out and getting the word out about the reviews is sometimes pretty frustrating. So I appreciate you having me on because um,
1: I I fucking love it. Keep doing what you're doing, buddy.
0: Well, and good for you. guys. Like, I feel like we're flying the BC flag pretty strongly right now, Um, and we're both... I think it's hilarious that we're like at exactly the same amount of episodes and like kind of started the exact same time. And I feel like, you know, a couple of years ago, I felt a little upstarty, a little, but like, I, I, I feel a lot more that we're both a lot more solidified in kind of our place in this community, whatever it is that we do. And I think it it takes a while to
1: kind of find your group. It does. And build that
0: audience where it's like, I'm comfortable now. I don't, I'm not speaking out into an empty black space. It's like there's people who value my opinion and I value their opinion and we're going to grow together. And you know, people talk a lot of shit about social media and 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 YouTube and hunting content and all the rest, but like dude, the people in BC like I uh, people DM me about your show all the time. Like you have a very real impact on this next generation of hunters that don't have access to the type of mentors that that you guys did so, kudos to you guys, man, for for keeping it
1: real and doing what you do because Thank it really man. drives the community forward. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. I think somebody needs to mentor Pete on his fucking paint color he picked behind him, though. So. You wait, we'll see. It matches my shirt, though. I was gonna. That. I just say.
0: realized that it matches
1: it because per- yeah, you're above see. him right now, and it yeah. basically just you flows me wall to shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool buddy okay man i'm gonna put links up to all your stuff so um people know how to find you just click on your link are you guys
0: going to sheep show
1: like no. the bc sheep show yeah no ah all right i thought we're, maybe I'd, we're, maybe we're see, bucks yeah. we're You're bulls.
0: close as shit man oh come you know, on come hang out We're not
1: sheep guys we are bucks bulls, bucks bucks and, and bulls bears. that's what we bulls and were bears the three B's. we leave like it's Old funny, like too. I talk to Wardo all the time, <laughs> and it's like I'm like, well, I'll leave all the sheep shit to you guys, man. We're yeah. we chase bulls, bucks, and bears, man. All right, fair but enough. We fair focus enough. on that, but uh, yeah, no, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. It's my been pleasure. Fun. And uh, again, you no, know, myself, Pete, and uh, I'm going to speak for Pete. I don't know if I can, yes, but uh, can. we really appreciate what you're doing. I know there's tons of other guys that uh, that do. And hey, man, those videos are getting pretty kick ass too. Thanks, they're buddy. getting better and better. I'm trying. Always improving. Okay, man. See you, Cheers, guys. Have a good night.
0: Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. A mule there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.